0: Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap for March 3rd. Hope everybody's doing well. Halfway through the week. Exciting. Feel like college basketball went full tilt yesterday with all the craziness. Shout out to UWM, Huge win. Uh, 24-point comeback. We're not talking about it today, but I thought I'd give it a shout out to start. We are going to talk about the Green Bay Packers, and all the things that were said by all the different Packer brass and react to those. And then we are going to talk also about the Milwaukee Bucks and how I can't make sense of them and put my finger on them. And then lastly, we're going to talk about if Wisconsin Badgers should welcome back their seniors next season if they do want to come back. We probably won't fit in the Brewers. I do want to talk some Brewer stuff that Craig Council said yesterday But I think that'll probably have to wait for Thursday's show. That is okay. But let's start with the Green Bay Packers. So all of the Green Bay Packer brass met with the media yesterday. You had Matt LaFleur. You had Nathaniel Hackett. You had Joe Barry, the new defensive coordinator. You had Maurice Drayton, the new special teams coordinator. And you had Brian Gunacoust. So five different guys spoke to the media yesterday. So obviously there is a wealth of information that came from this. And they were talked about a lot of different guys within the Packer organization, as well as where we, we are from next steps. So let's kind of go through a lot of these. I, I wouldn't say these are ranked. I wouldn't say that these are the top choices, rather just things that stood out to me as I was reading through the different quotes of all of these men and will attribute each of them of who talked about which thing. So let's start with Corey Lindsley. So Brian Gunacous did not close the door on Corey Lindsley. He said that we'd like to bring back Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley's great. And his tune about Corey Lindsley was definitely a little bit different than what we've heard about different Packer linemen in their third contract. Now we've been over this before, but we'll say it again. Most Times Green Bay does not give an offensive lineman a third contract. This has been done in the Thompson era and the Gutekust era has their first experience with Lindsley. And they didn't give contracts to the likes of Marco Rivera and Marco Wall and Josh Sitton, TJ Lang. It has worked out for the Packers in the past. Brian Bulaga is another one. So I guess this is the second time for Gutekust because he did for Brian Bulaga. He did not give Brian Bulaga his money. And I'd have to look back at Brian Gunacusa's comments about Brian Bulaga at this time last year. Were they similar? Were they a little different? I would imagine they were similar given the fact that Brian was a former first round pick for the Green Bay Packers and had been a Packer for life, probably going to be a Packer Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. So what I think will happen is kind of similar to Aaron Jones. I think there will be a contract on the table for Corey Lindsay. They will tell Corey Lindsay, Here's what we're willing to pay you. If you think you can get more money on the open market, go ahead and do it. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And I think someone's going to overpay for Corey Lindsley because offensive lines are not good in the NFL. Just offensive line play in general is down. It has been a issue. It was a little bit, I think, better last year, but a couple years ago, I mean, there were some legit stories about where is this offensive line play gone. Is the fact that they're running so different offenses in college affecting it and they need to be skinnier, whatever. There were so many takes flying around about offensive linemen. I feel like they've righted the ship a little bit. I feel like there was that weird transition and I think now it's better. But I think there are a lot of teams that could use a guy like Corey Lindsley inside. I think Arizona Cardinals have already been mentioned as a team who could potentially be interested in Lindsay's services. So we'll see what happens there. I, look, I'm not confident. I'm not like, oh, the door is wide open now and Corey Lindsay is going to come back. Absolutely not. I I really don't think that's what's going to happen here. I I think it's more of the Green Bay Packers are not going to completely shut down the conversation about it. But I also don't think they're 100% all in on bringing Lindsley back. It's just the simple Packer way of Here's your contract. If you want to sign it, great. If you don't, we're not really into negotiating this. This is the deal we have for you. And then if he signs, great. If he doesn't, then he moves on. If he does sign, I will say this. It will break the trend, and then we'll have to start reconsidering Green Bay Packers and what they do with offensive linemen. But I just don't think it makes a lot of sense with bringing Lucas Patrick as your center, John Runyon at right guard or left guard, Elton Jenkins at tackle or left guard or at center. But I think he'll probably, he, whatever. He's so versatile. He could do whatever really Green Bay wants him to. And I trust Adam Stefanik. Stefan, I can't pronounce his last name. I trust their offensive line coach. And Stefanik, Stefanik. We'll get better at that, I promise. Uh, But I trust him too. I mean, he was a great coach this year. He did a great job with the Packer offensive line. There's no reason to think that he couldn't do the same if Corey Lindsley's not part of it. Preston Smith might not be a cash casualty was another thing that Brian Gunacuse said to the Green Bay media. That's really interesting. Um, I did not expect that. I thought it was kind of a done deal that Preston Smith would leave Green Bay. It doesn't seem like that's the case. Now, Green Bay, and, and I think Andy Herman pointed this out, and I think it was a really astute point, is it seems like Green Bay has had this disease of holding on the guys a little bit too long and wanting to kind of prove that they were almost right. Like haha ha Clinton Dix, Jimmy Graham are the two latest examples. Now you now you have a guy like Preston Smith where he really didn't have that good of a season. It was really sort of a mediocre year for Preston Smith. Now, if Joe Barry has went to Mike to um, Mike Benton, to Brian Gudikus and said, Look. I think that I can unlock Preston Smith again. Like, I think what Coach Patton was doing last year was not exactly what Preston Smith should have been doing. And here are the things I can do. Or Barry says that to LaFleur. LaFleur runs that up to Gunacost. And Gunacost is like, all right, we won't get rid of Preston Smith. We just won't make it happen. All right, cool. I'm in for that. Like, I... If Preston Smith gets 10 sacks this season, now I know a lot of people will be like, oh, you want a Preston Smith cut. Well, yeah, fuck, we did. Because we we had no money and we were trying to save money, and everybody has become a capologist that's a Green Bay Packer fan. Like every Packer fan you know right now has spent so much time on over the cap, or they're just they're just trying to figure out ways for Green Bay to have money. It's it's kind of fun to watch because it's I feel like people are more in on this offseason than they have been in a while. And I don't know if it's because you lost the two, two uh, championship games. If it's the NBA-fication of the NFL, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's it's fun to see people all play cap experts. But yeah, I don't think Preston Smith is going to be a cap casualty. It does not seem like that is going to happen. J.J. Watt might not be the only free agent they will sign. Um, that also from Brian Gunacoust. Um, he did not mention J.J. Watt by name. I want to clarify that. He did not take the bait on J.J. Watt. He said, oh, he's a good player. Took a look, yada, yada. Similar Ted Thompson-like convo from Brian Gunakus. But it does seem like they they might look at a free agent. So what does that mean? Well, if they're keeping Preston Smith, then that means they're probably out of the edge market. Could they look at a middle, middle linebacker? Could they potentially explore a trade with a cornerback? I've Kind of floated the idea of Stephon Gilmore or Marshawn Lattimore for Jordan Love, if they think that they are committed to Aaron Rodgers. I know Nathaniel Hackett made some comments around Jordan Love, but you never know. Would it be getting another wide receiver because Aaron Jones is probably leaving, and you want to give give Aaron Rodgers another weapon? What does that look like? Who is that big free agent? We'll just kind of have to wait and see. I mean, if you remember, there was a little smoke around Adrian Amos a couple years ago, but the Zari- Zedarius Smith and the Preston Smith stuff came kind of out of nowhere. Or they, I think they were involved, but it was crazy they signed both. I remember how nuts that was a couple years ago. I was in Indianapolis that week, and let me tell you, you that was not a good. Podcasting time because I was I had my phone didn't have my I think I had my computer but I didn't have my phone I should have just brought my podcast mic like, down to Indy because I was there for like three or four days so I should have just bought brought my mic and did everything from my hotel room but I you know your boy is not always the sharpest crayon in the box what can you do. As for the coaches, um, we had Joe Barry say, you know, I learned from my mistakes. I, I don't want to be, if I'm 36-year-old Joe Barry, that's a bad, That's a problem. Um, I, I And he wants to run what the Rams are doing defensively. So I, I want to go into both, but let's start with Barry and learning from his mistakes. I think that's extremely fair. And I know that people are going to probably cringe at that and say, well, you know, it's a what have you done for me lately leak. Yes, you're right, it is. But let's consider just life. Let's not let's not talk about the NFL. Let's just talk about life. I feel like I am a totally different worker than I was 3 years ago. And if someone judged me off what I did 3 years ago or my performance 3 years ago, they would not see the worker I am today. So and that's extremely unfair to me. And now I realize Joe Brady, it was or Joe Brady, Joe Barry. I've done this, by the way. Some people have mentioned this, and I, I, I think it's a pronunciation thing. I apologize. Joe Barry has basically it was 14 years ago. He's he's had a lot of time to kind of figure out what what went wrong, what what didn't work for him. And watching what the Rams did last season was very impressive. And knowing Matt LaFleur wants to have a Vic Fangio-style defense, I think Joe Barry knows he can do that for him. And I I think that he has walking orders. And this goes into my next takeaway, but we can bring it in here. I think Matt LaFleur hated Mike Patton. I I really do. Like, I don't think they got along. Just by, and and like, I am a little bit like, like how Simmons called himself a body language doctor. I can I can kind of interpret things maybe a little bit better than others and I know this hasn't been reported by anybody, but the Green Bay media doesn't really do the dramatic stuff. like you they don't really get into the drama. I mean you don't see like the piece you saw in the athletic from about Atlanta and the Hawks and how much they hated Lord Lloyd Pierce, who just got fired. Like we, you just don't really see that from Green Bay. But we kind of, I think, need that for the Patton LaFleur thing. I think there's something there and I think they should explore it because I don't think these guys liked each other. I don't think they got along and Mark Murphy made uh, Matt LaFleur keep Mike Patton. Now, I do worry a little bit that LaFleur is a control freak. I mean, they met for nine fucking hours. Or was it 14? It was something crazy. Like I'm like, holy shit. Is that just because you guys are friends? Or is that because LaFleur just kept asking questions? That sounds like the worst. Could you imagine getting interviewed for a job anywhere from nine to 14 fucking hours? That's absurd. And that worries me a little bit that LaFleur is a little too much of a control freak. I love Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur's done a great job, but I do worry that he likes to have his hand in every cookie jar. And I think it he needs to kind of take a step back at times. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I think the Patton stuff was real. I think they do not they did not like each other. And, and he talked about communication and how important communication was and kept going back to it. And it just felt like shots at LaFleur, or shots at Patton, excuse me, over and over again. So back to Barry, I, I trust that I will give Joe Barry leeway. I don't think a lot of fans will. A lot of fans are gonna be out on him if the Packers give up like 38 points in the first game of the year. But we at least have to give Joe Barry four or five games, okay? Like you have to give Joe Barry some time. And if the Packers are not where we want them to be in five or six weeks, then we can have the podcast segment of same old Joe Barry or Joe Barry didn't learn from his mistakes. So, but I am patient. I I do think that I try not to overreact with the Green Bay Packers. I try really hard not to it's it's tough it's always tough to do right it it's never easy to not overreact but I do try to give these guys as much of the benefit of the doubt lastly or last couple things um, Marquise Drayton completely dressed down JK Scott and Hunter Bradley and said these guys at the back against the wall day one did not fuck around. Maurice Drayton was literally the Bobby Knight quote. You might be here to fuck around, but I'm not. And that and it was awesome. Um, it was really fun. He he brought a lot of intensity and just it times up for JJ or uh, for JJ. Times up for JK Scott and Hunter Bradley. Like they are they are definitely on the hot seat, and we'll see what happens and we'll see if they're able to kind of work their way out of it. I mean, at one point Mason Crosby was on the hot seat And now he's still kicking for the Green Bay Packers. So it it can be done. Like That fire can be lit and you can figure it out. Or you can't. So we'll see what Green Bay does in the punting department as well as the long snapping department. There was another comment from Gunakus about uh, David Bakhtiari. I wonder if he can go week one. I think that's going to impact a lot of decisions. Uh, I thought it was interesting Gunakus met with him last week. I wonder if they check in before the draft and they just ask him, like, hey, where are you at? Do you feel, does, where do your trainers feel you're at? Do you feel like you can go game one? Like, let us know, because if you can, we may, you know, not draft a right tackle. And we might just, you know, try to go with the guys we have and put in faith that you'll be back either week one or week two. No mention Aaron Jones at all. I couldn't find an Aaron Jones quote. Um, that's very interesting and I think very talented. I think Aaron Jones is long gone. But we will bring up the franchise tag thing I teased on Tapping the keg um, because I think it's a good one, and probably tomorrow um, because I don't think there's a lot happening unless, who knows, unless we get a ton of content like we did yesterday. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and how they do not make a lick of sense. So Milwaukee Bucks had their best win of the year against the Los Angeles Clippers. We called it a signature win here on Daily Tap. Mitch and I, you know, had a long long conversation about, you know, are the Bucs figuring it out? Like, it looks really good. And then they go on and they get smacked by the Denver Nuggets. Mitch, remember, also had the point of, I don't know what to make of this team. They win four straight, they lose five straight, then they win five straight again. They're 10 and five in February, which is a good record. But it was a weird 10 and five, which he was right. And now you get blown out by Denver, You look kind of lifeless. You let Denver just attack the rim early. Denver on a back-to-back. And Denver just brought more energy than the Bucs did. And I don't know if the Clipper game took a lot out of them and they were just sort of lagging. I mean, that was a very intense game. And they just weren't ready to play against a team like Denver's caliber. But you have to be ready every night. And Giannis can't do it on his own. And that I think right now is my biggest concern with the Bucs is that while Chris Middleton has had a good season, it doesn't seem like Chris Middleton is kind of getting going early. And that was a problem for Chris Middleton a while back where Chris Middleton would kind of slowly get 20 points. Like he got 20 last night, but it was a slow 20. It was a slow burn. He wasn't getting half of that in the first half. And I think that is the chief concern I have right now with the Bucs is do they have enough I mean maybe when Drew Holiday comes back it's going to be not an issue and maybe this was a friendly reminder of oh yeah Drew Holiday still out with like not out but still on a minutes restriction and maybe we shouldn't take these games that seriously I'm not sure but I'm not saying not to take it seriously but the the idea that this team is still not a hundred percent and that maybe even though they make they don't make a ton of sense, it might not be the team we need to ask that question for. When Holiday's back playing thirty-five minutes and they get beat by thirty, then yeah, it's fair to ask that question. It's fair to say, all right, what's going on here? And also trying to do the part of not reacting to every Bucks loss like it's a Packer loss, and saying, all right, it's a bad night. Chalk it up. It happens. So regular season loss, life moves on. They have Memphis on Thursday. Quick quick memory to forget about it. Beat Memphis's ass and then you go one and one. You finish a seven-game stretch after losing five straight, six and one. That's pretty damn good. And you may be a number 1 seed or number 2 seed in the East depending on how everything shakes out uh with the next two days. So I, I maybe I just need to take a step back here when the Bucks lose and say all right it, it but I don't know man it, I am arguing myself here which I do on this podcast every now and again it, it happens when you don't have a co-host <laughs> but like you have one side of it where the Milwaukee Bucks, you know they lose by two points or they lose by seven points or even 10 points we're like all right you know what they, they made more shots. Jokic was incredible. He's an MVP. Like, it is what it is. Chalk it up. Brooke Lopez, there's issues, whatever. And then there's, you got blown out and didn't look like you wanted to be there. And so that's the other part where it's like, the Bucks kind of feel like they have an on-off switch and I don't know if they deserve to have one. Like, they had the on-off switch against the Raptors the second game. It looked like they didn't want to be there. This Nuggets game, it looked like they didn't want to be there. And the Bucks have to show up every night and they are not that team that they were last year and the year before where if they got down early, they could go on some incredible run and make it a game in the fourth quarter. That Bucs team isn't really here this year. It hasn't shown up since that, other than that Boston game, game one. So I'm not like, I don't get why they think that way because they shouldn't. And hopefully the Bucs can kind of right the ship. I know Mike Boonholder said it was a really bad effort from the Bucks. It also, I don't even want to say fatigue. Because I was like, you know what? No. They played back to, they played every other game. I, look, you got to come with it. Denver was on a back-to-back. There's no reason that you should let Denver do that. Especially in the second half. Like if a back-to-back team starts off hot, that's kind of to be expected, right? They're fresh. I've heard Kevin Garnett talk about this. Where are you feeling good? But then in the second half, you should expect them to slow down a little bit and take advantage. I do think that door was open for the Bucs. And then Dante DiVincenzo biffs a layup. And that layup, if he if he just makes that layup, it's they're down 12. And Jamal Murray then came down, hit a three. And then DiVincenzo gets fouled. He misses a free throw. And then I think Denver scored again. And it was 17 points or, four, or 16 points, whatever. It was a huge stretch in that game where I thought it changed completely the outcome of what it could be. If Dante gets that shot, who knows? Maybe the Bucs then come down again and it's down 10 and all of a sudden they're chipping into this and the momentum has started to shift the other way. So it's a bummer for the Bucs. Hopefully you get Memphis. I will say if they don't get Memphis, it will kind of leave a sour taste in a lot of Bucs fans' mouth. Lastly, I kind of wanted to mention this about the Wisconsin Badgers. I was going to write about it, didn't have time. The Wisconsin Badgers lost again. They lost to Purdue. It's been a really rough few weeks for Wisconsin. Um, there's some kind of talk a little bit about turmoil. I saw that a little bit, that people are are saying that there are some, some issues there, maybe internally with Wisconsin. I don't know how true that is. We'll never know because, you know, Jeff Patrikas waves his pom-poms and we'll never get an inside story about Wisconsin. But that's another story for another time. But the Wisconsin Badgers, since starting seven and three, they have won three games and they've lost six. They're three and six since their seven and three start, which was January 27. The Badgers were ranked in the top 10. And it has coincided with the schedule getting more difficult. Wisconsin has struggled to beat teams that are in the top 10 of Ken Poms. The, or top 15, top 20. The only win that they've done inside the top 15 was Loyola Chicago. Other than that, Wisconsin has lost all the game other games. Now they have another chance against Iowa, but if the Badgers do fall to Iowa, this would mean that Wisconsin ended the year losing five of six, or no, yeah, losing five of six. That is not what you want. That is not winning basketball in the month of March, and they, they, as their Twitter said, they battled all night, and they did. I mean, it was they they got out hot, and then they had a bad sort of quarter. That's the end of the first half was really bad for Wisconsin, and then they sort of hung on as the as it went on. Now, Brad Davidson did have 15 points, he but he was three of eight shoot overall. He was wasn't that good from the field. He was four of 12. Nate Reavers had his first good game in a while. He was five of seven. He missed all his threes, but he had 11 points. Offensive rating, not that great. He had eighty, an 80 offensive rating. Micah Potter was a non-factor because he kept himself in foul trouble throughout the game. All those guys are seniors. I didn't even mention Aleem Ford or Demetri Trice. Now, all these guys could come back next year. The way the NCAA is working this season, any of these players could be back next year. They've granted eligibility for these players. But where should Wisconsin go with this? If the, if one of these guys says, hey, I wanna come back, I, I think Wisconsin should move on. It'd be one thing if, the Badgers were right there with Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State. If they were right there, I think I'd have no problem with saying, yeah, they should They should be able to come back. Why not? Why wouldn't you want these guys back on your team? But it's been such a rough year and the regression that you've seen out of Brad Davidson and Nate Reavers can't have you wanting these guys back on your roster. There is no real case to be made. And I think that Greg Gard has to have you know, a real conversation with these guys and say, look, I have recruits coming in here, and I I don't know what to do. I don't know what we should be doing here because Matthew Morris is coming in. He's committed. You have Chucky Hedburn. He's committed. Chris Hodges committed. Marcus Iver committed. Um, but Moores and Hepburn and Hodges are all four-star recruits. Hepburn is a point guard, expected to probably take over a lot of what Trice and Davidson are doing. Moores is a small forward. Again, Aleem Ford, Nate Reavers even. Um, so maybe a little bit of Davidson too. Chris Hodges, more down low. So what? how does that work? And I, I was trying to find it. I was trying to find like, can they tell him no, you can't come back? Gino Oriyama, uh, you know, one of the premier coaches in college basketball, said he wasn't in favor of this. This is from the San Diego Tribune because they they San Diego, San Diego State has a, the same situation as Wisconsin does. Now I'd argue San Diego State's having a much better year than the Badgers. I think they've only lost something like three games. But Oriyama says this. I think you're going to have a lot of coaches that are going to go, you're putting me in a tough spot here, Oriama told ESPN, because you're going to have some seniors go, hey, I want to stay, and you've got, got a coach that's like, I wasn't planning on you staying. Now, what are you going to do? Turn that kid out? I don't like that. If you lose your season, I can see that. That makes sense. But how are you going to let somebody play a whole season and then give them another year? That says it all for me. How can anyone look at what Wisconsin seniors have done this year and say, yeah, those guys deserve to be back? Maybe Demetrius Trice, but I'd argue Demetrius Trice has had a good enough year where he can get some NBA attention. Is he going to get drafted? No. But can he get NBA attention? Absolutely. And Brad Davidson probably is not going to go play overseas or do, maybe he'll do some overseas stuff. But he's not an NBA guy. So maybe Brad Davidson will want to come back. And I don't think that Greg Gard should let him back. And now there is that little thing that hangs out there that Greg Gard and Brad Davidson are, you know, kin. They have a lot of there's a strong relationship there. And that Brad is is sort of Greg's guy. And so will Greg put that aside next year? I don't know. And maybe Davidson doesn't want to come back. Maybe Davidson's like, you know what? I'm done. I want to live my life. I graduated. I don't really need to go back to school. I just want to you know, be a normal person. I have no idea. But I will say it was very interesting how many Badger juniors came back for the football team. Now, I realize that's juniors. It's not seniors. It's a little different. But it was interesting how many came back. And I think a lot of them came back because they wanted the fan experience. They wanted the ability to go out and try to pie half of Wisconsin's co-eds after games like they 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 wanted to have the, that college experience they felt they were robbed of that and will these seniors feel the same way and if Greg Gard, if I, it's if you're Greg guard and, and one of those recruits says it's either me or your senior you go with the young guy you can't be stubborn here and Greg Gard might have to be a little bit of an asshole, and that's okay, and he should be. All right, that does it for us today. Like I said, there's some Brewer stuff I want to talk about and get to today. We'll do that tomorrow. Um, maybe our Aaron Jones topic that I've teased, but it, it seems like whenever I tease a topic, it just becomes all of a sudden there's more content, and I'm like, all right, well, I can't, I can't talk about this more evergreen topic that I want to discuss. So, We'll see if I'll get that opportunity tomorrow. Take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. Be back tomorrow. Take care, Dappers. Bye.